Well, morning again, and welcome to week three of our ugly Christmas sweater. I do want to do a bit of a shout out. Who is in any Christmas paraphernalia this morning? I want you to, to stand up. So we've got a few people representing well. Um, we've gone we've gone heavily in the reds, but then over this side we've gone a different. Oh, Emily's gone the red as well. So. Um, Harry and I are actually um, synced our wardrobes um, pretty much precisely. So um, if you want to be cool, be like Harry and I. Like that's all I can say. But yeah, big big shout out to those who've gone all Christmas for us. Um, again, you want to do it Christmas Day, you can do that as well. Um, but so far, as we've been, we've talked about how the Christmas season should be the most wonderful time of the year. It should be. That's I suppose that's. The end of each movie, the Christmas movie, you get, it gets to that point. It's a wonderful time. But often, even the movies portray like the journey to get there is not always enjoyable. Um, like, and no matter what Christmas movie you watch, it's, there's got to be some kind of drama. Otherwise, it's, it's people sitting around and having lunch together and all happy and it's over in 15 minutes. Like, um, there's got to be some kind of drama, whether it's leaving a, a boy at home to be home alone or, or, or whether it's, um, like some other sort of, um, like make believe thing that's come up or, or you can't get home for Christmas. All the range of things that happen along the way. And so, but the problem is we also have said many of us end up with ugly thoughts or actions or words that can hurt people around us. And today I want to talk about ugly motives. Now, ugly motives are one of those things that sometimes we're the only one that knows they're ugly. And then sometimes we even pretend to ourselves going, you know what, the way I'm feeling, it's justified. And so we don't even really recognise it as ugly because maybe the person that we've got ugly motives towards or maybe the, the ugly motives we're, 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 we're demonstrating, um, they're hidden to everyone else, but we, we justify them to ourselves. Um, now, thinking about gift giving, like, again, when you give gifts, like, so, so, who here is someone that if someone gives you a gift, you feel obliged to give them a gift back? Okay, anyone does that? So, yep, so like, they're, they're like, oh no. And, and the thing is, what happens on Christmas Day, someone gives you a gift and you go, I don't have a gift for them. And so all of a sudden you go, what can I pull out of my purse, my wallet, um, gift card, here we go, here's a bit of chewing gum, and there we go. Enjoy your Christmas Day. I've kind of at least reciprocated with my gift. But again, that's not the, re- the right reason to give. Like, I give because someone else gives to me. That's kind of sounds like not a good motive. But again, there are probably some gifts that you should not give at Christmas time. So these are probably some for husbands not to give, okay? Don't give a vacuum cleaner, okay? Unless, what was that? An empty box, okay. An empty vacuum cleaner box is maybe done with the promise of saying you're going to do the vacuum cleaning for the year, I don't know. Um, but don't give a vacuum cleaner. Um, and or and or cleaning products, okay? Like um, if you do a gift basket of um, bleach and domestos and all that other stuff and sponges and scrubs and, and make it look really pretty in a basket, 
okay, that basket may get thrown at you, okay? It may happen. Um, now, the thing is, some other people, they like, again, maybe you're, you're the same size as your mum or dad, and so you end up buying them gifts that you may be able to use yourself. So you, know, you buy them, like, um, some clothes, some shoes, some dresses, going, I'm going to get some stuff use out of that as well. So, like, if you're buying for that motive, again, it's not really the best motive. Um, maybe you're buying something for someone else that they don't really like and hope that they'll end up giving it back to you, like, because it's something that you want. Uh, maybe it's your favourite chocolates or your favourite coffee or, or your favourite tea and you know that they don't really like it and in the end it'll be left lying around the house and you'll be able to make the most of it. Um, now, maybe it's kitchen appliances that may benefit you. Maybe a donut maker, ice cream maker, air fryer. What you are really saying when you buy something like that for your, your loved ones around you is, is this is all for... this is for all the delicious foods that you can make me. It doesn't, it doesn't come across with a great motive. But the thing is, each of us make decisions in our lives based on different motivations. It's important for us to pay attention to our motives because that can result in us, um, us blessing others or result in us only focusing on ourselves. You see the difference in that motive? Like our, our motives, if they're pure and they're, they're outward looking, we'll focus on others, we'll bless others. And maybe even with the exact same action, if our motives are, are selfish, we're really doing it for ourselves. The mark of a Christian is someone who um, is motivated to love and treat others as better than themselves. We are always tempted by our sinful nature to put ourselves first, but through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and the example of Jesus, we can rise above our selfish motivations. During his earthly ministry, Jesus was particularly interested in people's motives. You'll see it time and time again where he questions, why are you saying that? Why are you doing that? And, and, and Jesus knew that people's motives were really deep-seated heart issues. I want to read again from Matthew 6, 1 and 2. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so they may be honored by, a man, by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. So the, the, the Pharisees and, um, must have had a, a practice of kind of proclaiming the good deeds they're going to have. You imagine doing that. Like we, we probably do it in subtle ways, but you imagine coming into church and going, dun, 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 I'm about to give Christmas gifts. Dun, 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 I'm going to put my plate in the dishwasher. Okay. For some of you, that's probably a really big deal, and maybe we do need to announce that. Um, like I know at youth group, like okay, some of the some of the kids, like it's natural for them to put stuff away and do a bit extra. For some of them, oh, it's like uh, it's like picking up a cement block that's like two ton. That's how heavy their plates are. But like maybe we do need to announce that. But the thing is, the Pharisee had this way of doing things where they announced the good they were doing. Why? So they would get credit for it. Oh, isn't he such a great guy? Isn't he's the nicest? Oh, he's so generous. Oh, I wish I knew him better. I wish he'd do something nice for me. And so the, the reason they were doing that was to get that recognition. 
And Jesus said at the end of that, and the reward has been paid in full. They have got exactly what they have, will get nothing more. Except when we are righteous unto God, we are rewarded by our God in heaven. I think that's a much greater reward. Let's let's move on to verse... Um, uh, God, just down a bit. I've actually, it's the wrong verse, but uh, a bit further down, Matthew 6. Um, when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. Now, again, we don't see people praying on the street corners too often now. In fact, if someone's talking to themselves on the street corner, we actually move away and try and steer clear of them because we are, we're not sure what's going on. Now, again, it's probably even worse these days because people have got something in their ear and they are talking to someone else. We just don't know that they're talking to someone else. Okay, So when you are on your hands free, you do attract the wrong attention. But anyway, um, and, but you're not praying. The thing is, the Pharisees, again, would do things like to portray their holiness but they do that in front of people. Why? Because they wanted people's attention. They wanted people to recognize how good they were. We move down to Matthew 6, 16. It says, Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. We see that phrase, they have their reward in full. When we do things for the, the attention of men and of mankind, when we do things that way, when we do things to impress our people at work or we do things to impress our family, and again, maybe not our direct family, but anyone try and impress other siblings in their family ever? No one's ever done that? Like going, how good? look at how good my family is? Maybe it's things like, Oh, look at how good my kids are compared to your kids over there. Like, and no one's ever done anything like that. That must just be me. So, um, okay, um, I've got a, some issues I've got to work on then by the looks of it. But the thing is, sometimes we, we, we portray something so that people can pay attention to it because we want that recognition. Now, that recognition, like, again, when we're trying to draw attention to ourselves, we're trying to lift ourselves up and elevate ourselves. But Jesus is speaking to a group of people who focus too much on living out the law and looking righteous. Their passion to look spiritual is more important than, than actually having healthy spirituality. So that the habit of looking spiritual and being recognized for that was more important to them than actual healthy spirituality. Jesus' issue was not with the actions the individuals were taking, um, giving to the needy is a good thing. Praying and fasting is a good thing. Jesus was interested in the motive behind the action. And so this is where we need to realize that doing the right thing for the wrong reason is not good. Like it, there still may be benefits in that for some people. Like we, we might, if we give to a charity to sort of show how good we are or how generous we are, like, yep, yeah, people will still benefit for them but like it doesn't benefit us at all. Ugly motives can nullify our witness in the world. And the Christmas season is full of opportunities to serve others and meet their needs. Some people see these opportunities as a way to receive praise for their generosity. So they, 
they they might maybe sort of donate money here and there in a, in a way that they draw attention to themselves or or or, or give a sort of excessive gifts again to go I'm 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 the super giver and again it's done in a way that to draw attention now again if you give gifts and that's not your reason you're okay we're talking about doing the right thing for the wrong reason um, Jesus says that these folks have received their reward in full they will get their applause they will get their recognition they desired from others but that is the end it seems there is a greater reward we can receive um, by our willingness to serve others without needing all the recognition. Rather than just the applause, someone who serves uh, in similarly develops a character that is worth far more than the praise of people. Doing the right thing for the wrong reason can cost us our ability to grow into the person God wants us to be. And the very way in which the very way which Jesus came to us at Christmas gives inspiration for living a life with the right motives. If you were going to save the world, if you were going to save even just Australia, how would you announce yourself? Just imagine that for a little bit. You'd probably come up with some kind of promotional sort of advertising plan. You would you'd start with word of mouth. You'd draw attention to all your good qualities. Like when it comes to elections, people will go on and, and on and on about how good they are. Now, if you were going to save the world, do you think you'd kind of, I think I would try and do it in the same kind of way. I'd go, this is why I should be the one who saves the world. This is, these are, this is my experiences. This is what I can do for you. But when we look at the story of Jesus' birth, it's really nothing like that at all. And when you look at, if you look at chapter 2 of Luke, it, it, Jesus was basically there was a, a, a um, the, the the what happened? Jesus was had to, well, Joseph and Mary had to go to Bethlehem, their their city of ancestry, and so this census was being taken, and so Joseph went down and had to take his pregnant wife on a donkey and made their way down to um um to Bethlehem, and you think, okay, well, again, that's probably not like you think, oh, maybe Jerusalem, maybe some place which is um really sort of dynamic. No, just Bethlehem, and then, okay, well, at least they're going to find the best place they can find in Bethlehem so they can sort of announce the birth, and there's going to be some things that, like, uh, happen in the, in the area where, where that they'll be able to put in the paper, put on the internet, put it on Google and announce it all. No, no, they couldn't even find a place to stay in Bethlehem. Here is the Son of God, the Saviour of the world, about to be born, and there's not even a space for him to come into the world. And finally, they put him with the animals. They put Mary and Joseph with the animals. Now, again, imagine for a little bit, like for those who have worked in any kind of agricultural situation at all, you put animals in an enclosed space. There are some things that aren't so pleasant about that experience, and that is the choice that God made to see his son born in. Because it wasn't about the announcement. It wasn't about Jesus coming in, in such a spectacular way that he would get all the attention in the world and, and people would recognize him. Jesus came because he wanted to save mankind. He didn't want praise um, for his actions at that point in time. He wanted to show that he was coming with the right motivation. 
And I suppose that becomes a point that we need to understand. If, if, we need to, if the right thing for the wrong reasons is bad, but if we want to look to an example for us to follow, Jesus is our motivation. Now, the thing is, um, our Christmas shirts, or if you were in places where you could wear an, an ugly Christmas sweater, they, they are there to draw attention. Um, the thing is, I'm seeing so many of them now that I'm not, they're not actually standing out as much, uh, even in the shops. Um, and so they, they're meant to draw attention. But when Jesus is our motivation, the deep desire within us to draw attention uh, with us is to draw attention to him, not ourselves. When we serve others, it becomes easy to say we are doing this because Jesus served us first. When we love others around us, it's easy to say we are doing this because Jesus first loved us. When we take the spotlight of us and place it on our Saviour, the true hero is shown. He is our true motive. In the, in the movie the, the Patriot, it's a, an American revolutionary um, a movie if you haven't seen it, and um, Mel Gibson plays the main character in this movie. And, and early in the movie, uh, he loses one son, um, which is, um, sort of motivates him to get involved in, in the, the Revolutionary War. And, and as the movie goes on, they're having some successes and, and um, uh, the, the, the Redcoats do something horrible to uh, his, his family and, and it causes him to lose a daughter-in-law and his son. And at that point in time, he feels devastated. He's lost two sons to the war. He feels there's no hope. He's ready to run away. And he's reminded by some of the men around him of a flag that his son had been um, sewing together. During the last sort of major battle scene, um, um, the, the American army is, is, is falling back. They feel overwhelmed by the army against them and, and Mel Gibson's character runs forward being motivated by his son's focus on, on, on living free and has taken that flag and he stands in the middle of the field ready to die by shaking this flag and, and all of a sudden it catches the eye of his um, fellow people in his, in his own army. And instead of turning and running, they turn and they face the oncoming uh, the army and all of a sudden the, the tide is turned and that one battle turns the whole war and all of a sudden the war is won for the Americans. And in a similar way and that Mel Gibson found motivation in, in, I suppose, the passions of his son and, and it actually redirected him, even in such loss, he was able to remember his son in, in a great way. As Christian, our motivation for living a life of loving service and life focus on others is the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. His sacrifice motivates us to sacrifice for others as well. Jesus is our motivation. It, it's, um, um, it's like Paul states in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Now, if that verse was different, in whatever you do, as long as you get great recognition, keep on doing it. If, if whatever you do, if people pay you back in kind, keep doing it. But it says, no, in whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Now, Straight away, if we're doing this for God and we're doing it in some kind of capacity where we are paying, paying forward or paying back something that someone has done for us. So someone does something nice for you, 
they mow your yard, you might cook them a cake or something like that. Okay, so if we are working towards God in everything we do, whether we're serving at church, whether in our workplace, whether in our family, whether in our neighbourhood, everything we do is done untowards God. Who thinks they've come close to paying God back yet? Anyone? None, none of you. That's a bit disappointing. Not even, not even close. Well, that's the thing. God has done so much for us. And so when we do everything that we do unto him, all of a sudden we go, well, yeah, we're not repaying a debt, but we are actually serving out of thankfulness and gratitude. We're actually serving in a way where we're recognizing the sacrifice of Christ. And all of a sudden our motive for doing things is not because of what people do back for us. It's not for just because what people say about us. It's not because of this or that. It becomes our sole focus becomes the work that Jesus has already done and our um, uh, reflecting that in our own lives. So what we need to remember is it's not a competition. One of the reasons we find ourselves fighting against ugly motives is because many times we find ourselves in competition for attention and accolades. Rivalry is a mentality of the world and has no place in the heart of a Christian. Yet again, it still can be a core motivation. And that's the thing. We see this around us all the time. We see it around us all the time. This shop has been awarded this prize and so buy from them or this, like, um, again, uh, there's so many places out there that say they've got the number one pie in Queensland. Like, I, I don't know how many, like, we've, so many places have got the number one pie in Queensland. I'm going... How do they work? Do they, is everyone a winner these days? I'm not sure. Like, um, but, but the thing is, it's, it draws attention to, oh, I want to get a pie from there if I like pies and, and do that. Um, again, with um, politics, we see this idea of going, we're better than them because of this and well, we're better than them because of this and I'm better than them because of this. And, and the thing is, they spend most of the time just trying to tell everyone how good they are without actually doing the work that needs to be done. Um, and so... We live in a world that there is this compet, compet, competition sort of mentality. Um, Paul speaks of this mentality in Philippians where he lifts up Jesus' humble and sacrificial life as our model to follow. We see this in Philippians 2.3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. This is straight after the passage which talks about the fact that Jesus gave up everything to come to earth to serve us. God in heaven came down to serve us mere humans and he and Paul then actually adds that phrase don't do it for yourselves do it in humility and value others above yourself apparently rivalry and competition within the church is not some kind of new issue it finds its root all the way back in the early beginnings Paul knew then that the desire to one up and be first would be the undoing of all and Jesus came to build and establish. Um, the same is true for us today. We are not in a competition with one another. Instead, we ought to cheer one another on and push each other forward out of love. When I am motivated to honour Jesus first and honour those around me second, that is the only way we will all win. So let's stop living in an ugly Christmas sweater with ugly motives focused on um, ourselves. So this week, last week leading into Christmas, I'm going to challenge you to be a bit of a secret service agent. 
So some of you go, oh, adventure. Like, no, no, not well it can be, depending on how you do it. Choose someone this week that you can do something kind as a way of honouring Jesus and honouring them. Here becomes the secret bit. If you can do it without them actually realising it was you. Now, okay, I was thinking about this this morning as before I, 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 um, I was going to say it to you because I don't want anyone sneaking into my house and vacuuming my bed while I'm still asleep, okay? Like um, if I wake up during that, like um, I might squeal like a girl and then like, um, yeah, this, like, I, I don't want that, okay? So don't sneak into someone's house and, and do something to them. Um, but what can you do this week? Like drop, drop a card in the, in the in mailbox. Um, like pay for someone's fuel without them knowing about it. Like something that you'll never get credit for. Um, why, why don't you sort of find a way that you can help someone out, like uh, even within your own family without them noticing? So for the kids out there, who is here under 18? Put up your hand if you are under 18. Um, there's some people out there who want to put their hands up, but you can't. So if you are under 18, do you think you could do something in your home this week that would honour your mum and dad? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> okay. There's, there, I, I want to say there is, it was a rhetorical question, but I will say there is definitely things that you can do. It might be getting along with your brother and sister. And again, if you turn around and say, oh, mum or dad, look at what I've been doing this week, straight away, again, you're not doing it for the right motive. It's doing it for recognition. It is a secret service commitment that you are making this week. And so find someone that you can honour and, and honour God at the same time. Um, it could be sending an anonymous letter. It could be an uh, anonymous gift. It could be an anonymous donation. Um, uh, in Acts 20, 35, it says, it is more blessed to give than receive. So challenge any selfish motivations you have this week with selfless acts for others. Um, and this Christmas, our reward is becoming more like the person that God designed us to be. Let's just pray together. Lord, you know the thoughts um, of our inmost being. You know the way that we think and, and the things that we desire. And you know when things aren't in line with um, your will for us. And so this week, Lord, I, I pray that you would challenge our hearts, you would challenge our minds, and so that we would live in a way which is honouring to you, but also honouring to others around us. I, I pray that we will see the opportunities we have to, to bless others without drawing attention to ourselves, to, to honour others uh, and in a way honouring you. And so, Lord, I, I pray that this week um, you are able to do something wonderful in our hearts that will motivate us to act um, with pure motives in a way that lifts others up and ultimately lifts you up as an act of worship to you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.